welcome to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people who are looking to figure out how to fully engage in the world and be entirely themselves um, without killing themselves in the process. That's the goal. Uh, I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and today I actually have a guest speaker, Connie Bravos, or Constance Bravos. Either way, the same person. <laughs> um, and she is a licensed marriage family therapist. She's here nodding at me, by the way. So she's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and she's going to, we're going to be talking today. Last week, I talked a bit about uh, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we started with the very baseline of what a highly sensitive person needs physically to feel healthy and okay with themselves. Um, so we talked a bit about nutrition, and we talked about rest, and I'll stop talking about that one because you can always go check it out. Um, so today we're just going up the next tier up, and it's about safety, having security, and it seems to me like highly sensitive people, and when I say that, I mean <clears throat> me, <laughs> uh, we sometimes have trouble uh, communicating our needs and our, our need for physical safety for security in a way that is assertive. We kind of go between, I'm just going to be super, super passive and be my smallest version of myself in the hopes that everyone just, you know, maybe if I stand still long enough, it'll just go away. Or if we sort of swallow that long enough, we go way on the other extreme and then we're just sort of sassy cats that's like just bite your head off and then run for the hill so that they don't actually have to engage with you. Um, we're really nice people though. <laughs> promise. <laughs> We're well-intentioned. Um, so what I want to talk today about is how to be in that middle space of how to be assertive, how to keep yourself safe, um, but not be a jerk. So, Connie, I'd like to introduce you. So can you yeah. tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background? Ah, yes. Um, so yeah, I am... My name is Constance, or Connie for short, so I am one person. Most of the time. Um, no, so I am a recently licensed marriage and family therapist. My emphasis is in transpersonal counseling. Um, so it's more on the holistic, humanistic spectrum. So it's about um, more of the spirituality of things. It's very sensitive. <laughs> awesome. Um, and, um, but then I'm also very well-versed in trauma-based um, treatment modalities and approaches, and I currently work in a inpatient psychiatric unit and also an outpatient uh, psychiatric um, hospitalization program, and through that program, I help teach um, dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and assertive communication so this is what has brought me here <laughs> and we'll love you forever for it. <laughs> um, I should say too Connie and I have been friends for um, as long as I've had consciousness so I guess yes. um, as long as I've no had bias yeah no none at all <laughs> um, and she is the yang to my yin or sometimes the other way around and um, I she's able to do all the things I can't do so someday when I'm all grown up I hope that I'm like her <laughs> Um, so yeah, the first thing, place I kind of wanted to start was um, in terms of say, staying safe and staying sort of like um, contained, feeling like you're comfortable in a space. I remember one time going into a self-defense class because I was curious about it. It was on college campus. And the first thing that they were teaching us was body language. 
which I thought was fascinating because I thought we were going to go in there and start learning like Taibo punching or something right away. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about like, let's say I'm in this position, I'm at a party or I'm just on a BART train or there's just someone around me that I'm starting to feel uncomfortable with. I know them, I don't know them, I'm not, it doesn't really matter, but it's like how, with body language, how might I uh, like maintain safety or like assertively communicate? So in a physical way, um, martial arts is a really great start. So you mentioned martial arts. I've taken seven different martial arts mm -hmm. practices. Um, what they teach in, the, in those classes is how to be able to stand strong in your own space without getting into other space. So we're not walking around with our chests pump, pumped up like, you know, yeah, I'm going to take on the world, you know. Um, because there's always going to be someone who's like, yes, I am up for that challenge. <laughs> um, and so what we do is if we're on a BART train and we see someone on the BART train, let's just say it's a stranger, let's, for mm -hmm. hypotheticals sake. Um, it's a stranger. A lot of people ride BART, a lot of questionable um, <laughs> folks there. And they're coming up to everyone and they're, they're kind of aggressive. So what do you do? The, what they teach in martial arts is to be confident, but not arrogant. So... You know, if you don't want to engage someone, it's just like an animal, right? We're not saying, well, we're all animals, but <laughs> we're not saying they are animals. <laughs> but we, we, we don't want to look them right in the eye because eye contact is a very engaging um, way of being. Mm -hmm. So you make eye contact with someone, there, there's, something, there's some unsaid uh, message. So whether it's, ooh, hi, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Or it's, hey, I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> Both of those things can be communicated via eye contact. If you don't want someone to engage with you, try to not make eye contact, but be very aware mm -hmm. of your surroundings. So take inventory. So inventory meaning what is my exit? Where is my back facing? Is it facing that person? Maybe maybe not the best uh, route to go. If I'm sitting in a seat where they are behind me, maybe I should get up from that seat and put my back to the wall so that I am more central mm -hmm. and I have a better view. And I'm also standing up and I'm squared off. And I'm being confident, but I am not being engaged. I'm not being active mm -hmm. in my engagement. So that would be something that we could say for a stranger, mm -hmm. for example. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I remember, and of course I'm, I'm not remembering the person who did this research, that would be so much more professional, um, but there was a TED Talk, because I'm a HSP introvert, so naturally all of my sentences start with, I watched this TED Talk once, and uh, the woman in, in, on the stage said that body language, just the way we change and contort our bodies, actually influences our hormone system, so like when I broaden my shoulders Amy and I Cuddy? take up space, what's that? Amy Cuddy? Yes, that is her, <laughs> Amy Cuddy. It's the future. We have smartphones now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, so Amy Cuddy has said to her audience, if you are taking up space and you sort of have like the Wonder Woman pose, you will actually produce more testosterone. Mm -hmm. If you're cowering and sort of retreat, like your shoulders are narrowing and you're kind of going into a little ball, you're actually going to produce less testosterone. So it was just really interesting, like. It's just as you say, I don't want to puff out my shoulders so much that I'm, I'm radiating, I want to get in a fight today, <laughs> but yes. I also don't want to be this little ball that says, hey, come and kick me, I'll be a lot of fun. Right? So that's a great 
way of like walking the middle path. So be aware of your surroundings, have your, you know, be looking confident, but don't be looking like you're ready to fall. Right. Right. Gotcha. Precisely. Okay. Precisely. Nice. Um, and so then the next phase up, let's say now I'm, I'm having some kind of conversation with a person. Um, again, I don't know whether it's important, whether it's a stranger or someone that's I'm close to, but there, it's a difficult conversation that I'm trying to engage in. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to assert my needs or defend myself against potentially a, like what I perceive to be a threat. Like, and it's, and it's not at the level where they're threatening to punch me out or anything like that, but it's a verbal conversation. It's vocal. I'm, I'm now engaged in conversation. How do I walk that middle path between not being so assertive that I'm now bullying, but not so meek that I'm the bully? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, walking the fence of being of not, not trying to be coercive mm -hmm. um, or a big bully or but then also not trying to fall on the other side of the fence of being meek and a mouse and just gonna kind of take it right mm -hmm. um, I find that many people who um, suffer greatly with anxiety or uh, depression often find themselves in that position of kind of just taking it and then they feel victimized by it mm -hmm. uh, no one hears me no one understands me um, and then they just bottle it up all all inside because it's just not worth it. And then one day they just explode like volcanoes. And there's this huge explosion of emotions and actions. And um, that then becomes on the, the, the other extreme, right? Mm -hmm. And so a skill that we try to teach is to how to assertively communicate our feelings. Mm -hmm. So that seems kind of like, a conundrum right so it's like assertiveness and feelings feelings are supposed to be all mushy and soft and oh I love you and assertiveness you when you think of it it's it's like you know you're having confrontation and you're being tough and um, and a lot of people you know when they think of the word that just the word confrontation mm -hmm. brings up a lot of anxiety for for folks um, because in many cases people can view confrontation as a negative mm -hmm. But it is not. In fact, confrontation can actually be a positive move. It can be a catalyst for change in any relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So if your um, partner doesn't do the damn dishes, you are going to <laughs> confront them on that, and then they know it is important to you, <laughs> and the dishes will get done. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. Um, agree, right? So, um, so reframing what it means to have a confrontation or even having a conflict as a as having more possibility of change mm -hmm. um, is a great way to approach um, because I find that people who have negative frames around confrontation and conflict they say oh I'm conflict avoidant right I'm so conflict avoidant I just can't mm -hmm. um, but you can if you if you view it in a more positive way if it's just a discussion, if it's just a, a talk about I want to communicate my feelings mm -hmm. and you're framing it in a positive way, then you might not feel so stifled, right? Mm -hmm. So then that would be the first step. Second step is to, um, is to remember the, what we would want to say, the two cardinal rules, which is number one, don't belittle or name call <laughs> as much as you want to say, you know, you jerk off, you asshole, whatever it may be. <laughs> Tell 
Um, it. That means I have to throw all of those good juicy ones away. Yeah, as much as we want to say these things to some people who really just tick us off, it, it puts the other person on the receiving end, obviously, in a defensive mode. Now they're not hearing you. No matter what you say, all they've heard is <laughs> asshole, asshole, asshole. And all they're conti continuing to hear is asshole, asshole, asshole. <laughs> and they're really not getting your message. <laughs> so that's the first step. Second step is to is a little bit more complicated, but it's actually getting into the crooks of what is really bothering you. So what we need, we call that is naming the behavior. Mm -hmm. We're not naming the person, right? We're not overgeneralizing because many times in conflicts or com difficult conversations, we find ourselves making overgeneralizations. You never do this. <laughs> or you always do that. What is wrong with you? So we want to avoid those overgeneralizations. We want to name the specific behavior. So when you do X, mm -hmm. I feel Y. And there's an emphasis on the I. Many people, I believe, learn about I statements. Mm -hmm. So in that naming of the behavior, you're going to want to communicate it very formulaic. So when you do this, I feel blank. Mm -hmm. Or I feel blank when this happens between us. Yeah. Right? Um, so those are the kind of cardinal rules in engaging in the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because I actually did some research on um, sort of the brain of a highly sensitive person when they're in conflict. Mm. And it can look, in terms of how the brain scans, almost like they're, engaged, like they're having physical pain. So when some highly sensitive people say they're conflict avoidant, for them, in the moment of a conflict, it can almost feel like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. Oh my god, oh my god. And instead of them having a mature conversation they can, it's almost like they revert back to being a child, where it's like, they get really meek, or again, they totally do exactly what you said, where it's like, but you're always, and you never, whatever. Um, and it, it, walking that middle path is so challenging, because at the moment of conflict, a highly sensitive person's brain is pump pumping out a lot of cortisol, a lot of adrenaline. So their poor little bodies are just like, I'm gonna save you, except I'm really afraid right now, so I really kinda just wanna run away. But I also kind of want the dishes to be done, but you're not thinking about any of that. Right. Because, again, this flood is coming in. So I'm curious, do you have any um, like uh, tools or strategies you might hand to someone who's like, I, everything you're telling me right now when I'm calm sounds fabulous. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in the middle of like a panic mode, I'm, I, I need to cough this conflict. I need to have this talk. But I'm also terrified. What might they do preemptively? so that they can stay calm and level-headed? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And what you describe for highly sensitive people is very similar to people who describe themselves as having like panic or anxiety, or, mm -hmm. you know, people who might have PTSD or acute stress, um, even people who have like depression even. Mm -hmm. um, many times they describe these situations where it's like, well, yeah, that's so easier said than done, lady. Thanks. <laughs> that sounds great when I'm sitting here all calm talking to you, but when I'm talking to my partner who is like kind of triggering, mm -hmm. um, what can I do? Well, what we say is we said, you know, preemptively, if you know that you're going to need to have this talk, mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about the dishes, right? Um, you know, you're going to need to talk about the dishes. So preemptively, you want to 
come to a space within yourself where you're planning. Mm -hmm. um, just like you would plan any other event. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to set the stage. Mm -hmm. Where would I like to have this conversation? Where would I be least triggered? Mm -hmm. Coffee shop, like outside in a public space? Because if you tend to overreact and um, get very overwhelmed and dysregulated and yell or maybe that would be a good place because highly sensitive people are very aware of their environments. Mm -hmm. So intentionally putting yourself out somewhere where, you know, it's not going to be as easy to flip. <laughs> um, and then um, the other piece of it after setting the stage would be to remember to come back to your breath. Uh, nice. So when we feel overwhelmed, panicked, anxious, whatever name you want to call it, mm -hmm. we forget to breathe and we forget to slow it down a notch. Mm -hmm. And just because we're in a, you know, difficult conversation with someone doesn't mean that we need to get all excited. Mm -hmm. We can have a conversation that's difficult with the tone that even you and I have with each other. Mm -hmm. Doesn't need to get up, you know, <laughs> way up here, up top in order for it to be uh, meaningful. Actually, yeah. that's not the case at all. How many arguments have, can we say we've had where one was yelling and the other one was yelling and we were both yelling and how much did we get out of that? Mm -hmm. Really? It's always those after the fact conversations, mm -hmm. the come down conversations where we really get into the crook. So now what we're teaching is to just kind of skip the whole fight part. <laughs> and just fear going to love you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So great. Yes. So skipping the fight mm -hmm. when you find, so at the other piece of that is being able to identify your early trigger warnings. Mm -hmm. So all of us are equipped with these red flags that kind of pop up when we're feeling triggered. Mm -hmm. um, so getting to know yourself on that level where you're like, ooh, I'm starting to tighten up my shoulders or I'm starting to clench my fists or I'm starting to grit my teeth. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little, a little angry right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what this is. Or if it's just your heartbeat, you know, mm -hmm. how much... You're just putting your hand on your heart when you're having this conversation and just tracking it, mm -hmm. tracking your breath. Easy stuff. Mm -hmm. Easy. And if you find that you're starting to... <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> then stop. Mm -hmm. Take a breath. Maybe name it. Name. Naming emotions is great because we view emotions as these big beasts, right? They're mm -hmm. just going to eat us up. Mm -hmm. My sadness is just going to swallow me whole. <laughs> But it's your sadness. It's your dragon. You created this. So mm -hmm. when you're able to name it and say, ooh, you know, I'm getting kind of mad right now. I'm feeling a little angry. Mm -hmm. I know my partner, I practice this with him all the time, and um, he makes fun of me for it <laughs> because he says, you know, I, I will look at him and I will literally say, now I'm getting angry. <laughs> And he knows <laughs> mm -hmm. that that is, that is the cue to kind of go, yeah. oh, okay, well, we're going to just, we're just going to pause. <laughs> we're not going to push the button. <laughs> yeah, like, slow it down, Slow folks. it down. She's given us a warning signal. Yes. So name your warning for that person. If you care about them, naming that, mm -hmm. big deal. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I can even remember having a, a conversation that may or may not have evolved into an argument at some point later. Like, it could have, is what I mean. Uh, and I, you know, my partner, he, he can read a lot of my facial expressions, and I'm, I have whatever the Damn opposite of what I know. <laughs> it's like, I think Elizabeth Gilbert said this, and I loved her for it. It's just like, I have the opposite of poker face. I have, like, miniature, miniature golf face. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, Elizabeth, you, you get me. <laughs> so, yeah, my angry face pops right on up. And he's, there have been times when he said, okay, well, what are you angry about? What just happened? And I will actually find myself in a place where I'll, I'll, I'll have to pause and say, I don't actually know. <laughs> like, so with highly sensitive people, I know that there are plenty of times for them where it's like this flood of just sensory data is coming in. And so it's like, I can tell you what's happening in my body. I can tell you my heart is picked up. I can tell you that my, I'm, I'm sweating. Um, I can tell you that I probably have a scowl on my face because I can feel the scowl, like the wrinkles on my forehead burrowing. But I won't necessarily know to be able to say, uh, okay, I am angry and I'm angry about this. Mm. I might actually be hurt. I might be sad. Mm. I might be, but all I'm getting is just this flood of, of data. And I'm not, I'm not yet able to articulate. So I know for me, I have to slow down because if I don't slow down, I'm Try, like really and truly not going to give accurate information. Someone's going to say, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Go just away. All sorts of feelers. <laughs> like all the feelers are happening and it just, it'd be great if you could just give me a minute, okay? <laughs> and it's like, it ends up, it was about the milk being left out on the counter or something really absurd. And it's like, what was I really mad about there? Well, I wasn't really mad about the milk being left on the counter. I'm mad about something else. And then that was just a convenient, um, conversation piece. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe what I'm really mad at is that I don't feel heard and I wasn't heard by my boss today. And I wasn't really feeling heard by the guy who, uh, the ticket teller when I got my clipper card, cause I ride BART every day. No, I don't. Um, but anyway, like it might just be this, a com like compilation of experiences. And now that you know, milk is on the counter and nobody, you never listen to me. And here my poor partner is going, I, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I didn't earn that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, slowing down is really helpful for me because it gives me a moment to sort of hash, like sift through, sort of like taking a strainer and like digging for gold and kind of getting rid of all of the muck and going, oh, there's the nugget. There's yeah. the real thing I'm mad about. Right. And, you know, um, to go along those lines, if you're having a com difficult conversation with someone, let's say, who is not your partner mm -hmm. or someone that you're in cahoots with and not really your friend or mm -hmm. whatever it may be, um, you don't owe them mm -hmm. an explanation. Mm -hmm. You owe it to yourself to name what is happening. Mm -hmm. I'm angry. I am sad. I am disappointed. Whatever it is. Being honest and authentic in, in your feelings and expressing those feelings. But if they are curious to know, well, why? I don't see why. I don't see why you're so mad at me. I don't see what, what I did. Well, you don't really owe them the explanation. You mm -hmm. said what you said. You meant what you said. You said, well, I feel angry when um, you do this. Mm -hmm. And you name the behavior and the... You know, in many cases, you, you may not get um, a productive response. You may not get your ideal preferred ending. Mm -hmm. You might get someone who's defensive, angry, whatever it may, and resistant, resistant to hear feedback. And if that's the case, 
Yeah. You know, unlike our poor partners, you know, who want to care for us, the, you know, the poor, poor bastards, poor bastards. <laughs> um, then you, one of the biggest things about assertive communication skills is you don't owe anyone mm -hmm. an explanation. You said what you said, mm -hmm. and you just leave it at that. Yeah. And that is it. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, that that's definitely that's a big piece that some people they feel like they get some people get stuck in mm -hmm. this defensive kind of feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And I call it the it's a negative feedback loop. So there's many negative feedback loops in terms of you know distorted thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. But one of a one of them is getting in a negative feedback loop with another person. Mm -hmm. So they say something mean, you go and you get defensive and you're defending yourself. I never do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I own you. Yeah, I, you, on the other hand, you know, like <laughs> I put the dishes away all the time. And then the person's like, well, you don't vacuum. And you're like, well, you don't dust. And then all of a sudden there's this kitchen sink happening. You know, either you're kitchen sinking your, you know, this person or this person is kitchen sinking you and you're just explaining yourself. Well, I... I work all the time and I'm just busy and I'm just so tired and I just have so much to do. And you're just explaining yourself away. What is that achieving? Yeah. What are you really trying to communicate? I feel misunderstood. That's what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. So just when you find yourself in that, just say, you know, I'm feeling really not seen. Mm -hmm. I would know you see me if you were to do this. Yeah. That I think is a really important piece is giving them a little bit of um, AIDS. Yes. Like, and, sorry, I don't mean the disease in case that wasn't clear. Um, like, <laughs> but like some clues. Yeah, clues. Give yeah. me give me a hint. What do you want from me? Right. I, can, I remember even being in, so I had just gotten into this job. It was for a health coaching position. And I'd been there for a couple of weeks. And apparently it was one of the busiest seasons they had seen in quite a while, like in a couple of years. And so I'm just sort of walking on in thinking, well, I just thought this was normal. Okay. But it was, it, all of the coaches were feeling overwhelmed. The bosses didn't quite know what to make of this or what to do for everyone. So, and then it turns out the coaches were still taking hour long lunches rather than staying behind. It was just, it was a mess. Um, so the, the boss, one of the two leaders of this company comes in and she wants to open some open dialogue. She wants an open dialogue amongst all of us and, she, and herself to come up with solutions. And it's a hard conversation, and I'm fortunately not really triggered by it because I don't have, I'm so new that it's like, well, not my fault because I just got here, so. <laughs> but the woman who's explaining herself is, the, again, the leader of the company, stops at some point and she's like, I don't feel like I'm heard. I feel like, you know, you guys are behaving like children right now. I don't know what to do with all of you. And that, of course, is just inciting more defensiveness on behalf of the other employees. And so I, I paused and I asked her, I'm like, okay, well, what is it that, you know, so you're not feeling heard and you feel like we're not being professional, but there's just really silence in the room. So in terms of what's actually happening, you're just not getting any feedback. So what is it that would give you the sense that you are being really listened to? and not just sort of dismissed. Mm -hmm. And at the time, she's like, oh, honey, you're so sweet to ask that. And it's like, no, no, I'm, this, isn't, this is total self-interest. This is not me being nice. Um, <laughs> so I 
as you know, she said, well, I would want to see eye contact. I would want someone to engage me. I would want someone to be looking at me, which for me is interesting because if I'm in the middle of a conflict, I know it to be true that there are some people who need to look away in order to absorb content. And so I'm saying this to her, I said, I, I personally can look at you in the eye when we're having a conflict and that's okay with me, but I know some people when they're trying to hear you might actually be looking away because they're trying to digest it. So now that I know, that this is something that's important to you, I can absolutely deliver that. But thank you for letting us know that. So it was exactly what you're just saying. It's like, give me a hint, because yes. we're not going to be able to crawl up your pretty little tush and read your mind. Right. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of people that we um, encounter in our lives are not psychic. Yeah. Darn. Well, I don't know, though. I mean, there are, I... I remember asking at one point, uh, asking Corey, like, would you want me to be able to read your mind? And he, ha, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so not maybe even. It's, maybe it's not unfortunate. Yeah, so maybe it's it. not. But many, <laughs> but many times we often assume for some reason that people around us uh -huh. should just know these things. It's, isn't it just common sense? Yes. That's my favorite. Yes. You should just know to look at me in the eye. Well, you know... Everyone's a little different. Yeah. Everyone is different. Everyone's unique. Everyone has a unique way of expressing themselves. And, you know, assertive communication is kind of like taking one person who speaks Spanish and another person who speaks Chinese and putting them in a room together and trying to teach them English. Yeah. So now we're trying to teach you a, a, a common language mm -hmm. that you can use between the two of you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the way that you do things is incorrect or the way they do things is incorrect, but in order for you guys to come together, mm -hmm. we're going to give, we're going to need to give you a mutual common language to use. And part of that is asking questions, expressing curiosity. Okay. You don't feel heard. Mm -hmm. What do, what needs to happen in order for me to meet, be in order for me to show you that I hear you because yeah. I am hearing you, but mm -hmm. what do I need to, <laughs> yeah. to show you? Um, and it's also on your part to be your own advocate. Yeah in these difficult conversations. So, you know, after you've gone through and picked the behavior, mm -hmm. the other card, the other kind of rule about assertive communication is to be very specific mm -hmm. about that and to be precise. Mm -hmm. So be poignant. Um, many times we get in these difficult conversations and we want to, again, I'm using this verbiage of kitchen sinking. Mm -hmm. So everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a conversation about, um, needs not being met, i.e. dishes not being put away. I work all day, honey. I really wish that you would put the dishes away. When you don't put the dishes away, um, I feel blank. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead of just saying it's the dishes, it's honey, you don't put the dishes away. You never clean the house. You, you know, always are just sitting on the couch. So again, there's that overgeneralization. There's all of these things. And it's like, what are we really talking about yeah. now? Are we just talking about dishes? Or are we now talking about you being totally angry with this person and calling them a lazy bum, right? Like yeah. you're inferring that this person is just not doing anything with their life because they never get off the couch. <laughs> so is it about, wait a minute, we're talking about dishes. So... Keep it straight, keep it specific, mm -hmm. keep it poignant. Keep your point precise. Yeah. This is what I want. Make your request. Mm -hmm. We can't demand because, well, you know, shoot, people are just autonomous beings and they're just going to make decisions. <laughs> All by themselves. All by themselves. Um, so you can make a request. 
-hmm. You can frame it in, I would like for you to blank in the future. Um, and also, and sometimes we, we want to put a little sparkle in there. So we want to mm -hmm. put a little bit of a compromise. So we call that setting the consequence. Mm -hmm. So set the consequence for if the um, need is met. So if you put the dishes away, I will give you a back rub or I will take the dog for a walk or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a consequence, there's a positive reward. And also set the consequence for if the need is not met, mm -hmm. right? So if you continue to not put the dishes away, this is going to be a continuous conversation and Lord knows our partners or our friends really don't want to have these <laughs> conversations over and over again. Not if they could avoid them. Right. No. Or, or it could God, be, no. Or God, no. Or it could be, um, well, if you don't put the dishes away, I'm going to continue to feel sad and hurt and not met. Yeah. Or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's interesting as, you know, with highly sensitive people, um, I'm actually getting this from a podcast called The Gentle Rebel by Andy Mort. So he's, and, um, he quoted, uh, someone who was, uh, this person that he was quoting may have actually just been talking about introverts, but I think it also bodes true for highly sensitive people where it's like, there's the, this notion or this, the perception of reality that if I'm going to be healthy as a highly sensitive person, I really have two options. One, I can go out into the woods and be the next Walt Whitman. I will be happy, healthy, serene. I'll be a little lonely, but, you know, I'll have what I need in my life. I'll have what I need. I won't have to engage, and I won't have to go through these really challenging situations. Or I can go the other extreme, put on a mask, and present myself to the world as though I'm just as tough as the rest of them, and then pay the price with our health. And as a consequence, and so what Andy Mort in his podcast is actually inviting people to do is walk right in the middle, be the gentle rebel. Well, you can't, the only way you can be a gentle rebel is if you do actually say to the world, okay, I identify as a highly sensitive person. These are some of my needs. Like, in, in, not just in general, but also in conversations we have with our loved ones over and over and over again. This is hard for me, I need this. That is hard for me, I need that. Or, I really value having a clean space because it makes my brain happy. Can you help me out with that? Because um, I think a lot of highly sensitive people do have, that I've met at least, can fall into that hole of like victimhood. Oh, it's so hard, and then we live in such a stimulating environment. <laughs> it's too much, I just can't, I just can't. Um, they might go into using drugs or they might go with some kind of escapism mm -hmm. or they again they just might go off into the woods somewhere and say well this is I'm just gonna say screw you all and go off and do my own thing which is totally valid it's just most people I know would like to do the in-between and I would say that people who aren't highly sensitive and who might have highly sensitive friends would love to hear this mm -hmm. like they m most of our loved ones want to know when our needs aren't getting met because then they can, like we just said, like, give me a hint! <laughs> yes! So, um, being able to walk that middle path is super important, so thank you for that. Yes. And I wanted to say, too, a lot of this conversation was inspired by, um, like, when I was talking to Connie about this, we were, you know, in terms of developing boundaries and being able to articulate them, she brought to my attention something called the Personal Bill of Rights. <laughs> I'd never heard of it before, and I read them. There are 25 items, and I'm in love. 
in love. Yes. Love it. <laughs> love so it. So the author is unknown. We don't know who to give credit to, oh. unfortunately, but you can start off and you can read them. Sure. So um, the first one is, you and actually Connie touched on this just a minute ago, it's I have the right to ask for what I want. Uh, I can't tell you how many highly sensitive people don't do this. Right. And this is not anyone else's fault but our own. Um, number two, I have the right to say no to requests or demands I cannot meet. Ah, oh, don't be the yes man. <laughs> yeah. We can't say yes to everything. No, we really can't. And, you know, I, I, I talk about this a lot. Like, it's, it's really counterintuitive. A lot of highly sensitive people tend to be conscientious because they want to, like, they, they tend to have, be hardworking, <clears throat> so that's not counterintuitive. But... The more tired we become, the more likely we are to say yes to more work. Because the more tired we are, the more likely we are to engage in patterned behavior. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like we get into these little cycles where it's like, oh, I'm really tired. Someone comes up to me and says, hey, Leah, I've got this kid, um, her dance recital's coming up. I really need you to, you know, I need someone to take over. Can you do a little extra work for me? And because I'm so tired, I don't have the bandwidth to think to myself, this is a good time to practice boundaries. No, I go w with what I know. And so it's just like, but you can't keep doing that. If you do it, that's not your coworker's fault. That is your fault that you didn't articulate what you needed. Absolutely. Um, I love, you know, you, you, Connie talked about, I have the right to express all of my feelings, positive or negative. Mm -hmm. um, and not having to give, you know, clarify or justify them. Just, this is what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a right to change my mind. Yes. <laughs> um, a note to all highly sensitive introverts. Don't be too flaky. So <laughs> we have a tendency to do this where it's like, you know, hey, come out with us on Saturday night. Like we're having this great party. And I think to myself, yes, I so want to do that. And it's Tuesday. Um, and then come f Saturday afternoon. And I'm just like... Yeah, so, uh, this is awkward. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I have, I just contracted the most rare form of bubonic plague anyone's ever seen. And I swear was, my hand is falling off. It's, it's so weird. I'm not going to be able Didn't to Didn't I send it. you that meme? Yes! The meme where it... <laughs> I'm sorry, I would have called earlier, but I was running through all of the previous excuses I have used. Yes, that's what it was like. I'm sorry, I would come up with a better excuse. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. I would have called sooner, but I was too busy trying to think of a better excuse. Um, I do this. I, I come by it honestly. My mom does this, too. Uh, we need to just, just learn to embrace no sooner. Yes. Um, you do have the right to change your mind, but... For lack Do of a better cost-benefits analysis. Yes. Yes. So Ask yourself, what is it that I will be achieving for myself if I were to stay home <laughs> or if I will, were to go out? Yeah. You know, am I going to get some sort of net gain out of this? Yeah, or net loss. Or a net loss. Like, am I going to have to do damage control after yes. this, and is it worth it? Right. Um, it's so funny. As I was about to finish my sentence, I was about to say... Don't be a, and what Connie said very kindly was, you know, do a cost-benefit analysis. What I was going to say was, don't be a douchebag. Wow. So, <laughs> one of those. But we're, yeah. we're avoiding name calling. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, don't, don't do that thing. <laughs> 
um, I have the right to follow my own values and standards. Mm. Um, and a lot of highly sensitive people I know value their leisure time. They value quiet. They value reflection. Which, you know, we don't actually live in an environment that is conducive to a whole lot of that, um, you know, leisure, quiet, reflection. So because of that, that doesn't mean that we get to play victim and say, oh, well, the world is against us. Uh, but what it does mean is you have to articulate to the world, I'm going on a technology detox this weekend. I'm just, if you really need me, you're going to have to call my home phone. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, do we have any of those anymore? You do. I, I do. <laughs> I live in the black spot of doom of cell phone reception, so I do, in fact, have a home phone. As a, oh. When, when Corey and I, when we got our home phone, we were, we, we were about to buy one, and we're just like, where do they even yeah, sell these? What, do they sell them anymore? Like, do they have them at, like, the antique shop downtown? <laughs> Is that a thing? That's a yeah, so they do sell them. Anyone who's curious and would like a home phone, you can find them at Target, or you can order them on Amazon.com. <laughs> um, I have the right to say no to anything when I feel I'm not ready, it's unsafe, or it violates my values. Another hint here, better to say no sooner than rather than later. Don't be the last-minute douchebag. Or, more politely put, do a cost-benefit analysis. Yes. You know, don't be that person who's waiting until the last minute to disappoint people. If you really think you're not going to want to do a thing, don't pull the whole, yes, so that they make you feel better. And then, yeah, but no. Yeah, but no. And also the big, the big thing about that is to be able to really be aware of your own response. Yeah. So if someone says, hey, highly sensitive person, and they're not going to say that, but hey, you, as a highly sensitive person, um, do you want to go to this rave? It's going to be great. We're going to have so many people. There's going to be like 500 people in this small space. And there's going to be lights everywhere, loud music, and people are going to be doing drugs everywhere. Yeah. You want to go? And your response to that is... It sh like if I were to respond to that, my the first thing I want to do is clarify that I do, in fact, love the person I'm having that conversation with and would love to see them. But the first thing I might want to say is, well, oh my god, I would absolutely love to see you. Yes, please. I personally am not going to be able to do a rave. Uh, that's a little too intense for me, so I think that would actually make for a really disappointing experience for everyone. I would be sitting in a corner whining and trying to rock myself into a calm stupor. And you would be sitting in the back going, God, why did, why did I bring her? her? <laughs> like, this is totally wrong yeah. in a moment. Yes. Um, you know, God, what's, what's yeah, wrong Yeah, so the, the message there is when presented with something that you are not ready mm -hmm. to engage in or you feel completely unsafe with, there is a very big response. Mm -hmm. There is a very clear, like, <gasps> no. So say no. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many times more recently I've started to experiment with saying no and how many times they don't care. And I don't mean they don't care about me. I just mean I say no and they go, oh, okay, that's oh, Okay, fine. that's great, yeah. Okay, that's too bad. Like, yeah, sure, we can get together for lunch yeah. another Maybe time. Maybe the next podcast you could do is about saying no. <laughs> yes. I mean, no. No. <laughs> to determine my own priorities. Mm -hmm. So once again, if you're a highly sensitive person and you want to prioritize some downtime for yourself, you have that right, but you do need to take ownership of that.
Um, I have the right not to be responsible for others' behaviors, actions, feelings, or problems. Don't be a codependent. No. Yeah. No. No. Don't do that. Um, I've definitely been that person where it's yeah. like, I'm going to take response. I mean, if I don't do this thing, they'll be mad. And that's my problem for some reason. Yeah. And that's accurate information. No, no. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like, it's totally accurate and I can read everyone's minds. We're sensitive, not psychic. Um, I have the right to expect honesty from others. And that means that you also have to put up with that honesty. Yes. You don't get to just be like, that hurts my feelings. I don't want to hear it anymore. No, no. <laughs> you have the right to expect it and you have the right to allow Receive. the space for it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I have the right to be angry at someone I love. Mm. So this was a great opportunity to talk about how to do that with compassion. Like, I love you even as I also... Oh, Connie, you talked about this how many times? It's like real love. This is from Kid Rock, I think. Yeah. Real, real love. love is uh, measured in how many times you've contemplated their murder. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do I, I either want to hit you with a frying pan... Or make you pancakes. Or make you pancakes. If you've ever had to make that call and your partner is still alive today, or your friend or family member, that's love. That's love. That's, that's great. Love. <laughs> I have the right to be uniquely myself. You also have the obligation. Absolutely. That's not in here, but I'm putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I have the right to feel scared and say I'm afraid. Mm. Um, also an obligation. <clears throat> I have the right to say I don't know. Ah. I love this one. I don't love it. I love it. Like in class, I can't tell you how many, because I'm a health educator, yeah. and when people say, ask me things that I don't know the answers to, there are people that I'm, I'm close to who get really tied up with that. I have no problem whatsoever saying I don't know. Like, I don't know. But it's, it's the future. You have a smartphone. If you'd like to Google it, that would be great. What a great exercise for all of right. you. Right? And there's so much that we do not, in fact, know. Yeah. How boring would it be if you just knew? <laughs> I mean, we are never going to be as smart as the day that we are that we die, right? So there are yeah. so many things in our life that we just don't know. And what a beautiful opportunity. Yeah, and I think for me at least, especially given that we're talking about safety and security and you know, assertive communication, one of the most disarming things someone can do for me when I'm angry is be curious. Mm. So there's nothing more disarming for me than a person who says, I don't know what to do here. Right. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to respond. I don't know what you want from me. There's something really disarming about that. Like, what What can I do? I don't know. And right. It's like, oh. Yeah. They're not assuming something about you. Yeah. That they And that they're being honest. They don't know. And many people want to say that the, the phrase, I don't know, is, is a form of escapism or avoiding. Like, what do you mean you don't know? You know. Well, maybe. But yeah. in all actuality might not know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I have the right not to give excuses or reasons for my behavior. Mm. <clears throat> not that I've ever done that. I have the right to make decisions based on my feelings. Mm. Given that we're, you know, a highly sensitive system has, a, is giving a lot of feedback that might not make logical sense in the moment, but ends up making sense sort of in context later. I mean, use this to your advantage. Like, Treat it like an asset. Your your emotions are writing are getting triggered by a variety of different pieces of stimuli. So this can be a helpful thing. You have a right to make those decisions based on something even if it's not necessarily logical. Um, I have the right to my own needs for personal space and time. Hashtag introvert. <laughs> She's 
just holding her. You are solid. Yes. <laughs> love you, but love, love you more. Yes. <laughs> I have the right to be playful and frivolous. Mm. I love this one. And it's hard for me sometimes to be playful and frivolous. And then when I do it, I'm always so excited that I did it. Yes. <laughs> I have the right to be healthier than those around me. Mm. So say if the health coach, I'm going to be there and get out there and say I'm not ashamed that I'm almost unhealthily healthy. Yeah. Like, I'm a little, I think it, I'm borderlined. What is that? Orthorexic. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have the right to be in non-abuse, to be in a non-abusive environment. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for highly sensitive people. Abusive might mean different things for different people. Whatever that means for you, you have the right to self-exit. Yeah. Also the obligation. You're seeing a pattern here. Um, <laughs> I have the right to make friends and be comfortable around people. Mm-hmm. I have the right to change and grow. Also the obligation, please change and grow people. I've met those who have stagnated and they're so lame to be around. I mean, they're boring. <sighs> Having done a cost-benefit analysis. They are boring. <laughs> I've determined they're boring. <laughs> I have the right to have my needs and wants respected by others. Mm. Notice it did not say I have the right to have my needs and wants met by others. I have the right to request it and for them to be respected, but not everyone in the world is going to meet them. I need to be okay with that. Absolutely. I have the right to be treated with dignity and respect, mm. and I have the right to be happy. That's perhaps my favorite. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're bringing all of those today because every one of them, I think, really goes right back to this idea. You can't have any of those things if you don't feel safe and secure, um, and you can't feel safe and secure if you're not engaging in, in these things. Yeah. So, um, that's all I've got in terms of questions and thoughts, but do you have any last thoughts that you would impart to people who are trying to stay safe in a crazy world? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, just love yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, love yourself through all of it, love yourself through all the good times and the bad, Mm -hmm. love yourself for all of the choices that you make Mm -hmm. or don't make, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and many times we, we feel when we feel challenged or, you know, in these unsafe or challenging situations, we forget to love ourselves and practice compassion. Yeah. So that's what I would leave with. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful thing, a beautiful note to end on. Um, so I hope all of you were able to glean some great uh, t- the tidbits of wisdom. I know that was very helpful for me. I am constantly using Connie as a source of knowledge and wisdom. Um, and if you want to connect with her, uh, please send me an email. I'd be happy to forward information on over. Um, and once again, Connie Bravos. Constance. Constance. Thank you. Constance <laughs> Bravos. Um, and so, yeah, next week, uh, join us. We'll be talking about the next pillar in uh, the hierarchy of needs. Stay tuned to find out what that is. Uh, take care. Have a wonderful week. And I will talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>